listening to On the Road with Mike, Yogi and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Welcome to show 132. Trucking stuff this week. Simon McQuillan comes in from Atlas Balance. Let's talk about balance rings, how they work, and how important it is to keep those wheels running straight and true. Andy's got Blake O'Connor. We're going to hear a couple of his tracks and what's going on around for him. Bob McMillan's in for something to talk about. He's got a double header for you. He's unhappy with the TWU and he wants to talk about what's going on with the ATA uh, conference coming up. Rob Free with a story about what's happened to him at DC's. It's happened to us all. What's your story? Yogi's in with the news. Let's get this show on the road. Yes, get on with it. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the On the Road program. <laughs> Simon McQuillan from Atlas Balance has joined us today. This bloke talks the talk, walks the walk. He's been around the industry. He's not just some salesman. He actually knows what he's talking about. Simon, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? Not too bad, thank you, Mike. And may I say, in particular, thanks very much for having us on board as well. Yeah, pleasure, mate. Tell us a bit about yourself. Mike, my story, I guess you could say some folks sometimes question what's my experience in the industry. Put it this way, when I was a little kid, all I ever wanted to be was a truck driver. And my old man used to drill it down my neck. Nah, come on, you can do something better than that. Because my old man and his brothers, they started off with one little truck. Eventually, over a period of 10 years, they had just over 100 prime movers and 150 fellas working for them wow. until they sold out to a firm called KNS Freighters. And then I started driving then for my father's initial business, which was milk distribution. And so I was basically a steering wheel attendant for mum and dad. I had my own little truck, but then I'd also be doing back runs and filling in for our drivers at night time. And then eventually, Oh gosh, I got into all sorts of things as far as running beef cattle over the years, doing beef cattle runs, mining for donkeys years as well. And eventually my folks actually bought a fuel distribution business. And yet again, if I wasn't sitting on a dozer or chasing cattle around the paddock, I'd then be filling in for drivers who maybe having a weekend off or if they couldn't make it to work, then I'd be filling in for them doing runs out like West Queensland, Northern New South Wales, and mainly around the Brizzy area as well. And still to this day, I have to say, it's nice. If I get invited out to actually do a run for someone else, I'll actually take them on the offer because it's still a nice break out. And I have to say, I do like that line of work as well. Yeah, nice to sit there and look out the windscreen sometimes. Exactly. It's really quirky, but some of the best ideas, whether it's been marketing, engineering, some of the best things pop up when I'm out on the road and I'm seeing how the vehicles are operating yep. or parked up at that servo, or even if I've been talking to someone along the way as well. Yeah, we get plenty of time to think when we're doing that. Don't we? That we do. Yeah. That we do. So we're here to talk about active balancing and the Atlas Balance thing is your baby. Where did the idea come from, mate? Actually, I had used something previously on one of my old man's trucks. The issue that we had was we couldn't get them to fit our Euro rigs. We couldn't do them on our drives. In particular, we could only use them on just one of our vehicles, which was a Freightliner. And I thought, this is silly. It was a good product that worked reasonably well. But the issue that we had 
also not only did they fit everything, but they'd also wear out over a certain period of time, like just after a couple of years. God, eh? And so that's when I, when I was on the road one day and I was thinking about this sort of stuff, I had a, an idea buzzing around in my head that maybe I could make a, a one size fits all design. Right. And that's actually where my dad got involved as well. And he even helped me with a few designs. And that's when he also came up with the logo as far as the Atlas is concerned. And, he, and I said, what the hell are you talking about? And he said, well, if you think about the God of Atlas, there's the reason why he's actually holding the earth over his shoulders. Right. Because of the crime that he committed amongst the Greek gods, his punishment was to actually hold the earth on his shoulders and keep it balanced. And he said, when you get this business set up and going, you'll actually be able to not only balance wheels within Australia, but actually balance wheels worldwide. And I thought, wow, that is a bit of a quirky story. And so what happened was then is that this very industry, being the transport industry, nothing more than probably six weeks to eight weeks, I was involved in uh, manufacturing. I lost dad to a prime mover accident. Wow. And so it was the industry that dad had been in since he was 12 years old, and it was the bloody industry that took him in the end. So I took it as a pledge, basically, to just make sure I was adamant that I wanted to keep this going, not just only as far as, you know, what's good for the industry, but also in the name of my old man as well. Yeah. Tough when the industry takes people away from you. There are a lot of guys out there, myself included, who have experienced that. So Yeah, that's right. So that's one thing I say to anyone is just take a look around you and realise how damn good we've actually got things because you, you never know when your number's up. Yeah, well, that's right. Mm. So great tyre wear and good balance. It all comes down to the bottom line, really, doesn't it? If you can get the right stuff out of your wheels and tyres, you're going to make more money. It's as simple as that. And that was the case, absolutely. So guys have been telling me, I mean, we've had balance weights. We've had guys that run wheels natural with nothing. We've had guys that use the balance beads or balance bags. Everyone's raved about the balance rings. I know that I certainly had drove a 909 that didn't have those on it when I first started driving it. And so I knew about what it was like. And then I drove it with the balance rings on it. For me, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because I can see, and I've had my own experience about how this thing made a difference, mm. but there's a lot of questions, mate. People want to find out about the liquid, what it is, and how it works, and you talk about liquid metal. When people say liquid metal, I think the first thing that comes to mind is mercury. That's right, yep. We all know that mercury is not good for you, so what do you use in the tyres? How do they work, mate? Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, don't go thinking that it's just the likes of balance beads that you're referring to as well. Mm. There's people that I've met who actually use golf balls to balance their tyres. Oh, righto. One fellow one time even had a cricket ball in each tyre as well. Okay. It's like little home remedies if you want to refer to it as that. Yep. Yeah, in regards to the liquid metal, absolutely, there's no point tiptoeing around it. It is mercury. At the same time, it's a recycled product. Most people actually don't realise that it's been fitted in a correct manner by professionals. It's actually fitted inside three sealed tubes and then encased in the steel ring itself. Right. Now, if people are to be worried about the likes of dangerous goods, then I've also questioned a number of times, well, where do you start and where do you finish, particularly on a heavy vehicle, being the likes of diesel, battery acid, radiator fluid, asbestos that's in brake pads. The amount of mercury that we actually use in everyday life We've actually got them in our light switches in our houses. Yep. Most people don't realize that still to this day, a lot of mercury is used with the manufacturing of lipstick. 
there's so many other things within our houses and our electrical products that, that we use every single day where it's still used as a natural lubricant All right. to stop those products actually wearing out as time goes by. Otherwise, your light switches, for example, would break within just a matter of a couple of years. Right. So we look down the list of concerns, obviously, people with all mercury. But if you have an accident, obviously, with it being sealed several times, it's not really a problem. It's probably not going to escape at all, is it? We've had all sorts of testing done in the sense that people misfitting them correctly from the very beginning and you know, completely crushing the rings. Yep. Unfortunately, when I first started, I actually even ran over a couple with my forklift one day, completely crushed them literally like a pancake. Yep. But still, nothing was able to escape. Why? Because they're sealed inside not one, not two, but three rubber tubes, including the big steel ring that goes around the outside as well. Do you have to balance the tyres to start with? Definitely not. With a big capital N and a capital O and a capital T to go with it. <laughs> because that's why you've bought the balance rings. Simple as that. Unfortunately, it's happened a couple of times where customers have gone and bought the rings. They've then had them fitted. And next thing you know, they've also been charged maybe 40 or 50 or 60 bucks for a wheel balance as well. And I've said to those people, look, with all due respect, I think you should go back and ask for your money back because you're getting charged for something which you've already now paid for twice. Yeah, seems a bit crazy to me. Yeah. So what tyres need to be balanced? We've talked about steer tyres. Mm. Guys have said to me that they've got them on their drive tyres. Yep. And I saw when I had a look at your web page there, they're a different shape. They're just a disc. That's right. With a flat disc that go between the... Between the jewels. Between the jewels. I'll just go on one thing you just said first, Mike, in, like in regards to how many wheels do you balance? Mm. And I was adamant from the beginning when I first fitted out our old Freightliner. That old girl had done 1.9 million Ks. She had the shakes and the rattles from day dot. And I'm not going to go knocking any brands because she was still a good working beast. Yep. However, we could only get around about 80,000 Ks on an average on that thing before the tyres would start to scallop out. Yep. When I put the rings on, we are using that particular brand of tyres it literally jumped to the next set. I think it was about 120,000 that we got on the next brand. And so when we got to the following set of tyres, that's when our tyre fitters suggested, look, how about we change? We'll do a different set of tyres for the steers. And how about we have a crack at doing the drives and the A and the B trailer? And I said to him, why the hell would you bother doing that? He said one thing in particular, which has stuck into my head. He said, Simon, look at your Land Cruiser sitting over there. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, what about it? And he said, well... When you go and get a new set of tyres on it, do you tell them just to balance the front end? Yeah, I didn't think about that. So we then did the jewels on the drives, and then we did the jewels on the A's and the B's, mm. and it was a no-brainer because within the next uh, 12 months, on the, the run that that vehicle was doing out to Chinchilla and back, doing hot seat driving every day, that old girl got an extra 35% life on its tyres all round. And then also we noticed that the fuel bill from the year previous had gone down by 7%. Wow. I said to our tie fitter, what would be the reason for that? And he said, look, if you think about it, in particular, the fuel tankers, it was a good example because we were just going one way full and one way empty. Mm. And he said, regardless of whatever load that you're pulling, that's 36 tires that are normally fighting against each other, regardless of what you're carrying. Mm. So he said, now, because they run nice and flush and they're not fighting like they used to, that means they're less strain on the engine as well. So that's why it was a no-brainer for us. Then we went through and we did the rest of our Kenworths on the steers, drives, A and B trailers, and then we did our Volvos as well. So the Euro hubs, just on the difference between Kenworth and Volvo, the Euro hub and the American hub are a different shape, aren't they? That's correct. 
And so that's when we had to come up with a new design. But the benefits of that is that also we've got an American one size fits all. So that fits your eight and a quarters, nine inch offsets and your super singles. And that's regardless of whether you run an American disc or American drums. Right. Now your Euro Asian setting rings. And again, that's a one size fits all. You can take them off that Volvo, chuck them on the Scania. If you want to move on to a man or a DAF or some of that, it's all still exactly the same stud pattern. And if you want to be really cheeky, take them off and put them on the Isuzu or the Hino with the same 10 stud pattern, and it still does exactly the same thing. So it's pretty much one size fits all sort of arrangement. Yeah. A power nap can be your driver fatigue solution. If you're struggling to keep your eyes open while driving, you're in danger of falling into a micro-sleep and the consequences can be fatal. Pull over somewhere safe and take a 15 to 20 minute power nap and then continue on your journey. Visit our website to learn how to make the best of your power nap. powernap.org.au The issue that we had from the very beginning was we had people in tie fitting shops finding it a bit too hard. So that's why we changed the design. So it was just a simple one size fits all for you Americans, one size fits all for you Euro-Asian. And what about the guys that are still running spiders? Can you do those? To be honest, it's one thing that we've actually decided to stay away from. Uh, no disrespect to anyone whatsoever, but it, in some ways, it's a bit of a dying market. And quite often, some of the vehicles that we've seen have normally been of that sort of age. Like We stand by a money-back guarantee. And so we've now had to give money back to two customers that were like that. And they were both originally running on spiders. Yep. One was a 76 model Kenworth tipper. And this gentleman was adamant he didn't want it on the steers. Instead, no, we've got to go for the drives. And he said, no, these things don't work. It's a bogus idea. I don't know why. And I said, well, normally people will start on the steers and work their way back to the drives. Yep. But I said, I'll stand by now money back guarantee. I went and saw him a few days later. And when I met up with this gentleman, I said, oh, I think it's a good thing I'd actually didn't bring a magnet with me. Mm. He said, why is that? And I said, well, I don't think I could find anywhere on this truck where I could actually even make it stick because it was an absolute <laughs> rut. <laughs> Because of the roaring that I copped over the phone, yep. when I saw this old girl, I thought, oh, gosh, the wrecking yard is literally only just two blocks away. Why don't we just push it there and get it over with? <laughs> because what they did was they took the spiders off and bought a 10 stud uh, setup, which they got from this wrecking yard just down the road, and put it on. <laughs> and I said to the gentleman, look, you know, you can't fix a severed limb with a Band-Aid. So <laughs> basically, mate, here's your money. I wish you all the best. <laughs> then the other one was a 1982 model Ford Louisville. A great looking vehicle. And he had 10 studs on the front, spiders on the back. When I went and fitted them out, it was the same situation. These things don't beep, 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 beep work. <laughs> if you have a rough idea what the beeps are. Oh, yeah. I then found out that the vehicle actually at one stage over its lifespan been rolled. So it actually had, had a bent chassis. Oh, well, yeah. So I said, well, you know, to be honest, you can put anything you like on here and she's still going to misbehave like this anyway. Yeah. So it was also a good learning curve for me because I still got to learn something out of it and we parted ways with a handshake and we let bygones be bygones. And that was when I first started. 
So it's not a miracle cure. It's not a silver bullet for every beast of a truck. But No, but at the same time, I've said to so many people, whether you're running a brand new vehicle or an older vehicle, sometimes you fit the rings and you notice disharmony running in the vehicle. Take it as a good thing because it's actually letting you know that there's something else going on in the truck itself or the bus, I should say, rather, because we fit out buses continuously. Yeah. So it'll bring your attention to the likes of kingpins, tyre pressure, wheel alignment issues. Yeah. It's things like that that'll actually bring your attention to it. When they're done and dusted, bang, she'll be schmick and run nice and smooth again, even better than it did the first time. As you say, bad shocks, bad shackle pins, bad springs, anything like that's going to affect the, the way she runs down the road and the tyre wear. Absolutely. And tyres aren't cheap. I was having a bit of a look there before on a set of Bridgestone R150s are about $500 each for a steer tyre. That's right. So it doesn't take long to chew up tyres and it doesn't take long if you take some positive steps like getting your wheel pressures right and your balances right, your tyre pressures right. Exactly. And it can only just be just a couple of minutes that you do, whether it's daily or every week. That can save you so much money with that sort of stuff. Whether you've got like a a full load and you'll have your tyre pressure at X amount, and then when you empty, put it to this particular amount. Some people might say, oh, that's a lot of waste of time, but that time is also affecting your back pocket as well. Yeah, well, you do see a lot of log trucks with those drive tyre inflation systems on it, don't you? So like Air CTI, for example, mm. is one of those companies that I actually work in sync with continuously. We pass work to each other because they can't fit anything like balance beads or counterweights to their tyres. So what they do is they then say, okay, well, let's go the balance rings with the Air CTI as they work in sync with one another. So we've made the decision to put the balance rings on. You drive the truck into the workshop. What happens then, mate? What do the boys do? Okay. Literally, Mike, it's a 90-second pit stop, basically. Someone from Penske told me one time that I was talking out my rear end and I said, well, check our website and you'll be able to see for yourself. Because one of my customers, he had his 108 parked up one day at Gimpy as I called in to drop some more uh, rings off of the drives for him. And it simply was just jack up the wheel, simply remove your wheel, place the ring over the stud pattern and put the wheel back over the top. Whether you're using balance rings or not, I personally recommend using sensoring sleeves. Most people don't even worry about it, but I still recommend it. Simply just tighten up to the normal torque that you would, whether it's a US, Asian or Euro. They've all got their different types of standards with that stuff. And then Bob's your uncle. Yep. There's one thing that we always recommend, though, is do not have anything like canterweights or balance beads in or on the wheel or in, in the tyre because they will then fight against each other. Yep. Yeah. Bit counterproductive, mate. You're buying the rings to balance the wheels. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So as soon as you take off, they start to work and there's nothing more to do. Just watch the tyre wear and make sure everything's okay. Yeah, still do your rotations. Like people say to me, oh, how often should I rotate the tyres? You know, 50,000, 20,000. And I say, you do it however you still choose to do it. It's not my place to go saying what sort of brand of tyres that you should be using or how you should be operating your business. But it's just fitting them correctly and you look after them, basically, like anything in life. You look after them, and then they'll look after you. Yep. Uh, one of my first customers, who was a friend of mine, I simply gave him to him as a test model for his Ibeco at the time. He put him on, had that vehicle, I think, for two years until he took him off, put him on his Volvo, ran the Volvo for another two years until he sold the business, and then started working for a gentleman with another Volvo. Those rings are now sitting on that vehicle today, mm. running around. And so in the meantime, that same pair of rings have been balancing three prime movers over the last few years. <laughs> so you haven't actually built in the wear out factor, mate. You've made a mistake. 
You should say that a few people have said, yeah, how are you going to make more money? Well, okay, that's all well and good. But if that's the case, you could say, do people who make bull bars make them to break within five years? Yeah. Same with wheels. Do you make a wheel to break within five or six years so you can sell more? A perfect example is a house. Mm. I'd actually still in 20 years time, I'd rather be living in the damn thing, to be honest. That's right. Yeah. So, hey, just a quick other side one while we're here. Tire pressures, mate, steer tire pressures. Guys were saying something about pressures as low as 85 and up to 115 or even a little bit more. Some guys, 125 in your super singles and things like that. What do you reckon about tire pressure? Obviously, it has an effect on the wear and the heating in the tire. We know guys let their tires down to drive in the sand. A lot of our listeners are highway drivers. What do you reckon about tire pressures on the highway? That is so hard to advise on. A meeting I had with a fleet, this fellow was adamant, the, the manager was adamant, no, every single tyre has to be on 95 PSI. Yeah. They're all American vehicles, and that was regardless of whether it was a Western Star or Kenworth or Cab Over, they all had to be on 95. Whereas when I talked to the likes of Chet from Air CTI, for example, he's actually said, well, that's all well and good, but horses for courses, basically. Yeah, indeed. Hence why I'm the wrong person to be advising exactly what sort of pressures should be going in, because... What we were doing with our fuel tanker work was completely different to what someone running out on that same very road out to Chinchilla every day would be doing running on cattle, for example, or grain. When people say to me, even when it comes to brands of tyres as well, I don't go recommending that because it all depends on what your back pocket can handle and how can you are to go flooring up the hill or taking a slow and steady round corners as well. As I say, my personal experience, greatly impressed with balance rings and how they work. I want to thank you for coming on the show and having a bit of a chat with us and helping the listeners out with answering some of the frequently asked questions. You're based up in Brisbane, but where can we get them, mate? If people are interested to find out more, what do they do? Yeah, Mike, go to atlasbalance.com.au. You can check out where you can get them from our distributors around Australia. Also, you can send me a message directly via Facebook or our website and one of the crew will pick up on you. We send them Australia-wide and we send them also to New Zealand on a regular basis. Plus, we're now getting inquiries from people in, gosh, Greece, Scotland, Ireland, and the UK, as well as uh, North America. We've sent some over recently as well. Wow. That's truly a worldwide interest in the things then. Considering that I only ever wanted to do it from the beginning just to simply fit out my vehicle along with my folks' rigs, just simply for a bit of part-time work because I had given up buying and selling cattle. But it's great when you get that response back from customers. Like I had some gentleman leave a message just before the truck show saying, did you check out your Facebook page? I'd read it and he said, I used to get 80,000 roughly on a set of steers. Yep. This time around with the balance rings, I got 186,000. So hence why he actually then came back and he bought them for the drives. And then he said, when he's done the drives, he's going to move on doing his trailers as well. Right. So money back guarantee, you said? 100 day money back guarantee, five year warranty. But look at it this way. 100-day money-back guarantee. I've had some people ask me, well, how am I going to figure that over a period of 100 days? Well, 100 days, it's three months. Three months. If you can't figure out literally what's going on within the first week, then you might want to have a chat to the people in your workshop because when you fit the rings, you'll notice within as much as about 30 seconds to a couple of minutes because as soon as you get up past that 60, 70 k's an hour, Mm. that's when it starts to come into effect and you'll notice that the vehicle will be handling completely differently as well. Yeah. Well, as I say, I'm happy to vote yes on that. I noticed the difference in the 9 pretty much straight away. As soon as you got it out on the open road, she was a different beast altogether. Not that it was terrible to drive beforehand, but it did make a difference. It's been great to talk to you, Simon. Good luck with it, mate. It's a great Australian product. We'll be watching with interest what happens. 
thank you very much for taking us on board. It's entirely our pleasure, mate. You take care of yourself and we'll see you on the road. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Safe travels. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. G'day all, Andy here. As we continue our search for great Aussie homegrown music acts, this week I'm excited to bring you a bloke whose music is often described as incorporating the outlaw country of Chris Stapleton, the blues of Tedeschi Trucks Band with the melodic soft rock of John Mayer. His eclectic mix of blues, gospel and country styles continues to prove to be a huge hit with listeners. Soon after winning Star Maker in 2019 in Tamworth, our guest released his debut album, Everything I Feel, resulting in a number one on the ARIA charts. 2021 saw him release three chart hit singles, Willin' and Ready, Soul Feeling and Kickin' a Rock, and in 2022 he returned with his band to sold-out shows and festivals right round the country. A two-times Golden Guitar nominee, he's won the prestigious Country Music Association of Australia Golden Guitar Award for New Talent of the Year, and beyond his extensive touring in Australia, he's taken his music overseas as well, performing at Nashville's CMA Fest in the United States and at the Buckle and Boots Festival in Manchester in the UK. With a brand new single called Time to Kill drawn from his just-released new album Finding Light, it's our great pleasure to introduce you to this rising star on the Australian music scene, Mr Blake O'Connor. G'day Blake, great to have this opportunity to catch up with you. Thanks for having a chat, Andy. I'm looking forward to it. Now, your music incorporates quite an eclectic mix of styles, Blake. Who were the artists and bands that influenced you personally and made you think, yeah, that's what I want to do with my life? Well, originally, I, I grew up listening to just about anything that was, you know, my parents played from, you know, Bill Withers to Johnny Cash to Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. Like, and my pop always loved listening to Burl Ives. Right. So, you know, it was a quite eclectic mix from the start. Yeah. And, you know, coming through my early teens, I was, you know, right, getting into pop music and listening to more Ed Sheeran and, and whatnot. Hmm. But when I found the Zac Brown Band, when I, I think I was about 15 or 16, that really steered me back toward, my, you know, my country roots. And from there, you know, because I've got such a large band and you start, you know, listening to each member of the, of the band, mm. I found different elements of like Southern rock and blues. And once you go down that blues path, you find gospel and, yeah. and all those different genres of music. So it was, you know, it's just a, a whole bunch of everything. Yeah, well, those influences really show through. And I guess the variety in your music is what keeps it really fresh. Yeah, well, mate, I love all different types of music. 
like I just said, I listen to just about everything. So it's it's nice to try and incorporate different bits and pieces from everything I listen to. So, you know, I, I try to keep it a bit fresh and also keep it a bit old school as well. Yeah. Now, for a lot of artists, the last few years with all the COVID restrictions meant spending a lot of time at home writing new material and looking forward to ultimately getting the music back out there. But across that same period, you somehow managed to deliver massive tours across Australia with the Silver Linings Tour, the Willing and Ready Tour, 16 Aussie shows with Rock Royalty Diesel, a co-headline tour with Phil Jamison from Grinspoon, and then a full headline band tour of your own. You like the Energizer bunny, mate. <laughs> well, mate, to be honest, I don't even know how we pulled that many shows off yeah. because I think we only cancelled maybe one due to lockdowns, but the other ones we just booked them in and just hoped for the best. And the shows just kind of jumped in and out of the lockdowns and we rarely needed to miss one. Mm. So no, I was so thankful to be able to do that because like, if I'm not touring, I don't know what I'm doing with myself. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you really love getting out on the road. Definitely, mate. It feels weird being stuck in the house for too long. So yeah. I was really, really thankful to be able to do that while, you know, a lot of people couldn't. Yeah, for sure. And the last thing you need is that cabin fever setting in. Oh, definitely. And don't get me wrong, there was a time where that did set in when we couldn't play. But right now we're about to kick off onto another tour. So, I'm, you know, I'm feeling good again, feeling ready to rock. <laughs> yeah. Well, your brand new album, Finding Light, is set to be released in a couple of days' time. Congratulations. Thank you, mate. Cheers. And you've also just released the new single from the album, Time to Kill. Now, I believe the single was not actually included on the album originally, but added at the last minute. How did all that come about? It was. Well, the album itself was quite a long process. Mm. I had all the songs pretty much written back into 2019, starting into 2020. Mm. And we went into the studio in August of 2020 to record it. We managed to get half of it done, and we we're, were going to go and finish the next half a few weeks later. And then a lockdown kicked in, so we couldn't actually record the rest of the album. Yeah. And in and out of the lockdowns and in between the tours, we managed to book in some more time, like I think it was 18 months later, hmm. back in, you know, this was start of 2022, so only last year. And uh, in that period between recording the first half and the second half, I wrote a whole bunch of new songs that weren't even going to be on the record to begin with. So the album, you know, became a whole different record mm. and it was done. I, I completed it about February last year and then we wrote Time to Kill, which is the new single in September. And I was like, I have to put this on the album. Yeah. So we only recorded that one back in December. You know, December just gone. Wow. So it was quite a different process to what I'm used to making a record, but I think it was for the best. Yeah. And Time to Kill, what is the song all about, Blake? Well, I wrote this one about a mate of mine who was kind of, well, definitely wrongly done by his partner. Mm. Yeah, it was kind of my take on what he was feeling and what he was going through at the time. He doesn't actually know it's written about him, but we'll keep that pretty ambiguous for now. Yeah. But uh, I wrote this in Brizzy at a, a songwriting workshop. Right. And we rolled in the studio that morning and there was about 20 or 30 musicians in there. And you don't actually know who you're working with that day. And they, they pair you off into about four or five different groups. Yep. And I was paired with Sinead Burgess and M Squared, a production duo. Mm -hmm. We went in at about 9am and we had until 3pm to write and record a completed song by the end of the day. And then we had to show it to everybody. Yeah. So Time to Kill is, yeah, that's, that's where it came from. It's interesting, you know, we've spoken with a number of artists who have all shared a similar experience with these writing workshops. And it's been really interesting, the quality of songs that have come out of it that have found their way onto albums now. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. And to be honest, I wasn't expecting to get any songs that I would release out of it because it is such a you know time-sensitive situation. Mm. I'm used to you know writing songs by myself where I can take as long as I want. It was actually quite refreshing to go in there with, you know, everybody who's, you know, they're all so talented at what they do and also so diverse in the genres. 
the first day of the workshop, I was working with a guy named Ruben Styles from an electronic dance music band called Peking Duck. Okay. Yep. So that was vastly different to what I'm used to. Sure. But it was awesome to hear everybody's influences and their ideas because it brought out different elements to stuff that I would never have done by myself. Yeah. So your next album will be all electronic dance music, I expect. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, when I was reading through all your bio info, it read like an artist who's been around for decades, yet you're still only in your early 20s. Given where you've come from to date, where do you see yourself heading as a singer, songwriter, performer in the future? Mate, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And if I can keep on the trajectory that I've had over the last few years, I'm not exactly sure where I'll end up, but I want to be touring the world. I want to be playing big rooms in front of you know thousands every night. That's my dream, and mm. with a heck of a lot of hard work, I don't see how it's not possible. So that's where I'd, I'd end up in the future. Yeah, another Garth Brooks in the making here. Oh, well, that works for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, you're off to Dubbo this weekend, mate, and following that, there's a huge run of gigs coming up for you through New South Wales, Queensland, throughout March and into April. Where are you headed so listeners can keep an eye out for you? Yeah, like you said, we're at Dubbo on the 11th of March. Mm -hmm at the Stockroot Festival, and then on the 12th of March, we're over to Seclusions of the Blue Mountains, okay. which should be a fun show. It's an incredible venue there overlooking the Blue Mountains, so it should be great. And then we're heading up to CMC Rocks, mm -hmm. which would be an incredible festival. I think they've sold about 25,000 tickets, so it should be an absolute cracker. Yeah. And we're doing the drive straight up to Cairns after them, playing everywhere along the way from Rockhampton on the 23rd of March, Metropolitan in Mackay on the 24th of March, then Mansfield Hotel in Townsville on the 25th, and on the 26th we're in Cairns at Dunwoodies. Right. And then back down the coast in Caloundra on the 30th of March, and then Royal Hotel in Nunda on the 31st, Ginger Lee on the 1st of April, Wallaby on the 2nd in Mudry Bath and then down to Telegraph Point on the 8th of April. So we've got a fair bit happening. Oh, mate, no rest for the wicked. No, not at all. And I think the week after we play Telegraph Point, we're uh, flying out to Nashville. So, yeah, it's all happening. Oh, fantastic. Well, to get hold of show tickets and to find out more about you and your music, where should our listeners go online for all that info? Uh, you can jump on my website, which is blakeoconnormusic.com, or my Instagram's blakeoconnormusic, or my Facebook's just blakeoconnor. So it should have all the information on either three of those platforms. Gotcha. Well, folks, our guest in the Artist Hot Seat this week has been Blake O'Connor. Blake, thanks for finding the time to come and play on the road with us. No, mate, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, one last thing before we go. Would you please introduce your new single for us? Definitely, mate. My name's Blake O'Connor, and this is Time to Kill. I ain't got nothing but time to kill A full bottle on the windowsill Ain't gonna help me, but it goes down well I ain't got nothing but time to kill I had it in my hand I was living the life But then I lost my job Damn, I lost my wife Waking in a cheap motel What the hell I'ma do Cause it's a real bad day On the avenue He's sleeping in my bed I used to give my fill Now I'm drinking instead You know what they say Till death do us part I guess I must have died 
from Trucking with Coombe. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Coombe on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Hi there. There's been heaps of uh, media hits all over the place about the uh, collapse of Scott's Refrigerated Logistics. Or more accurately, we should say the collapse of, of uh, Anchorage Capital Partners as they took over Scott's Refrigerated Logistics. They have a track record of uh, running businesses into the ground. David Jones is another example, and uh, Scott's must have been in pretty good shape when uh, Anchorage took them over because it took them two years to run it into the ground, and it only took 14 months to, uh, to run David Jones into the ground. But anyway, that's beside the point. What's confused me or caught my attention this week is a number of headlines and I'll just use one example. Aldi hits back at TWU protesters after collapse of Scotch refrigerated logistics. And I thought to myself, well, how out of touch must the TWU be if they think Aldi's solely responsible for the collapse of uh, Scotch refrigerated logistics? I'll just say Scotch in future. Aldi represented 3% of the turnover of Scotch. They carted for every supermarket company in the country Coles, Woolies, Metcash, who own IGA and other chains, Spa and anyone else you like to name. And they carted for many other companies other than supermarkets. So I got wondering and I thought, well, now there's got to be more to this than meets the eye. And here it is. Aldi has hit back at the protests outside its stores across the country as the Transport Workers Union blames the supermarket giant for the collapse of a trucking company. Scott's Refrigerated Logistics entered voluntary, as we all know. Further on, the TWU claims Aldi and other major retailers are putting pressures on the operators and drivers transporting their goods to delay maintenance speed and drive fatigued. A spokesman from Aldi said the German supermarket utterly refutes all allegations. Today, the union workers protested outside of Aldi stores to demand the supermarkets, and here's the, here's the catch, to demand the supermarkets sign a supply chain accountability charter which rivals Coles and Woolworths have signed. TWU National Secretary Michael Kane said retailers reported booming profits while transport operators and drivers in their supply chains were either going broke or under pressure to cut safety measures. Well, it's a, taking a very, very doubtful approach to it all to be laying the blame right at Aldi's feet. 
Anchor each capital partners and their business that they bought for 75 million Scots sunk their own canoe. The, the blame can't be laid squarely at the feet of any of their customers. But the point to me that rears its ugly head again and again is the TWU gets involved in all sorts of stuff that they probably would be better off to leave alone and concentrate on looking after their members. The truth of the matter at Aldi is that they don't have contractors doing their deliveries or uh, that sort of thing. All their own trucks do their, their deliveries. I'm not sure about some of their uh, regional areas. They probably have regional carriers doing that. But the point of the, the fact is for the drivers and for the uh, as far as the uh, supply chain accountability charter, Aldi's drivers are covered under their uh, EBA, which applies to all their workers, not just truck drivers. So if the TWU is offended by that, they should find the intestinal fortitude and the funds to take Aldi to the industrial court and see how they go against a German business giant. They're obviously too scared or realise they're on very thin ice. And uh, that just begs the question. But anyway, the TWU has been off beam for a long time in my books. They, they were the first amongst many large operators in their associations to wipe us like a dirty bum when the blockade started in 79. Looks like they're still carrying on and not a bit off centre. I, uh, I have no time for them whatsoever, and I think they're on thin ice. And I'll just pose one question over the whole thing. Who are these people? I don't expect to get an answer. I think they'd rather us not know. An article that took my eye this week is in the Australian Trucking Association Friday Facts email that I get every week. It's always very interesting whether you uh, totally agree with the ATA or not, but I think they're uh, doing some much better work these days. Quote, There'll be plenty of sparks at Trucking Australia 23 with industry heavyweight Ron Finnamore AO confirmed on the panel for the Fixing the Fatigue Rules session. Ron will debate the fatigue rules with National Transport Commission's Aaron de Rosario as well as Emma Higginson from the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator and Gary Mahan from the Queensland Trucking Association. Well, I wish Ron well because I'm pretty sure it'd be a fair while since he's filled out a logbook or had to deal with fatigue management rules on the road in his own right. But it's an interesting panel and I wish them all well. Gary Mann, I know from uh, past associations, has a lot to offer, uh, as, as do all the panel. But uh, it'd be nice if there was a couple of uh, uh, real-life truck drivers on there and it doesn't appear to be. We can deal with that a little bit because uh, they also publicised the idea on their LinkedIn uh, page. Uh, and the response was a bit interesting from one fellow in particular, and it was Dave Murphy. Now, I'm not sure which Dave Murphy it is because I know a couple, but anyway, we won't go there. Dave said, the biggest killer on our road for truck drivers is fatigue, and the logbook is the biggest attributor to compound the problem. No one can sleep for for seven hours. 90-minute sleep cycles put pace to that. Drivers are forced to drive fatigue because the logbook laws won't allow any flexibility. Well, not a truer word was spoken. And I, uh, I agreed with uh, Dave when I put a comment and said, well, said Dave, and spot on, how can those who have never done the job know what is best for those who do? The six-hour consecutive break fell in line with circadian rhythms and allowed 18 hours for flexibility to be achieved. One hour less has created enormous strain for us all. Is there anybody listening? Obviously not. Well, I hope this conference item with the ATA might change all that and that someone might be listening, but I sincerely hope they've read the comments from Dave and Murphy, myself and anyone else who uh, put some on 
because we've been screaming out about it for a long, long time. And the other thing is that uh, there appears to be no representative on that panel, as well as no truck driver, no one from Western Australia or the Northern Territory. And as I've been saying for a long, long time, we need to really take notice of what goes on over there and understand the statistics around it because their records over there, their safety records, their compliance uh, percentages and everything else are no worse than what happens over here. And in some cases, I think the outcomes are better. There's a lot to be learnt, a lot to be thought about. And while I admire the uh, ATA for putting a panel like that together, it would have been nice to see a little bit more practical input. I wish everyone well at the conference and... Um, I just hope that we don't have to be asking once more, who are these people? Catch you later. This is Bob McMahon. Coming up, we've got this absolute corker from Rob Free, Free's Transport in Brisbane. Have a listen to what happened to him in Sydney with some DCs. Unbelievable. We've all had it. It's the reason I don't tow fridge vans. It happened to me once too often. I've got to wait how long? The problem was supermarket DCs. Here's a tale. So I come out of Melbourne, a split load. Back half of the trailer was going to Woolworths at Prospect and the front half of the trailer to Aldi at Minchinbury. Had 7.30 time slot for the first one and lunchtime, midday time slot for the second one. Shouldn't be a problem. So I got up to Sydney through the night, had my seven hour break, and I was at Woolworths Prospect, on time, with my paperwork, everything ready to go. Yep, dock eight, no worries. Take it down there, chuck her on the dock. Only had 12 pallets to come off. Sat there for four hours. Which meant, by the time I finally got off the dock, had my paperwork cleared and was out the gate, I got to Audi 15 minutes after my scheduled arrival time. It was a Friday afternoon, just after lunch. Now from the gatehouse, you can see all the docks and bar two or three, they were all clear, all available. And Audi, you unload yourself, so there's no problem about staffing inside. So I roll up to the gate and the security guard looks at my paperwork and says, oh, you've missed your time slot. I said, uh, yeah, I was uh, stuck on the dock for four hours at Woolworths around the corner. He goes, you'll have to rebook it. I said, what now? I'm 15 minutes late. Yeah, sorry, can't do you. Can't do you today, you'll have to rebook it for Monday. Now, we're in Sydney. I don't live in Sydney. It's a Friday, which means he seriously wants me to sit in Sydney for the entire weekend, miss my load out of Sydney, and be there for Monday when I can rebook. So I was getting a little bit agitated at this point. So I said to him, and if anyone knows Sergeant's Road in Minchinbury, there's a nice big drain right down the centre of the road. So I said, how about I open the back doors up and just back up as quick as I can out your gate, stand on the brakes and empty all of your shit straight into the bloody drainage ditch. And he goes without missing a beat, oh, do whatever you like mate, but you're not bringing it in here. So what do you do? So then I had to waste another several hours 
chasing up a local refrigerator distribution company out of Weatherall Park, who would both take my freight and book it for delivery on Monday. So it got delivered, not by me, and of course the local distribution cost pretty much negated the load. And they wonder why truck drivers hate delivery centres. So that's Woolworths causing the problem, and that's Audi compounding the problem. But Coles and IGA don't think you get off the hook easy either. I have spent many, 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 many hours on the dock at Coles in both Truganina and Eastern Creek. So you're off the hook. And IGA? Metcash. Metcash Eastern Creek. Now I've had good runs in there, but I've had some shockers. Hours and hours and hours. For what? One trailer load. It's not that hard. Supermarket DCs, get your act together. They have no interest in chain of responsibility. Your time means nothing to them. They will make you wait as long as they want and they don't care. But if you're late, you've missed your time slot, you'll have to rebook it. It's just not on. So that's it. How about that for bullshit, eh? Unbelievable. That's the sort of thing that happens on a daily basis. As he says, they don't give a shit about us or our time or what we've got to do. Some of these little... Well, well, what do you call them? Little Hitlers at the gatehouses? They can make your life extremely miserable. They really can. Just just craziness. What's your story? Send us uh, an email, mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Give me a ring, 0418 Tell me your story and uh, I'll relate it. Or come on the show and relate your own story. Something really does need to be done about this sort of stuff. They talk about chain of responsibility. It's time. There is a chain. Some of these people need a kick in the bum. We've been catching up to everyone that's on the Rest Area Steering Committee. Kelly Boland, how are you going there, mate? Pretty good. Thanks for asking yourself. Oh, absolutely wonderful. So the two questions, why did you put your hand up and what do you hope to achieve? Why did I put my hand up? Good question. Like everybody in this industry, we want to see a better industry for everybody. And you know what? At the end of the day, it is our God-given human basic right to be able to access clean working facilities when in need. Um, my beautiful husband, Michael, and myself at camp have campaigned for years for better rest areas for drivers. Uh, and it is at my absolute privilege and honour to continue this in memory of him and for all the boys and girls out there, including my boys. So what do you hope to achieve then, just to, to make everything better? Look, at the end of the day, we need to make it better for our boys and girls. We're not going to get out of this unscathed. As an industry, I know that we have our own love-hate relationship with tourists and the caravanning public, but we have to learn to coexist. By coexisting with them, we can get more bang for our buck for what we need. All right, Kelly, thanks for uh, joining us to answer those questions, and I hope to catch up with you for an extended chat about the industry in general down the track. Not a problem. Have a great day. One of the most troublesome and misunderstood things in our road network are roundabouts. You hardly meet anyone that has a clue what to do at a roundabout. You get those that come up and give away to imaginary cars. Then you get those that come through them at a speed that they expect everyone is going to give away to them no matter what. They almost close their eyes and drive through and just go, good luck, everybody. Unbelievable they are. 
So, with that in mind, I found some recordings on the internet uh, from one of the transport websites and uh, clears up what you need to do on a roundabout. It's very interesting. There are some truck drivers, I think, that don't even know what to do on roundabouts. So, this is what the rules are. Uh, Have a listen and be better informed. Please feel free, please, please, please feel free to share with your friends what the rules are. Hopefully, it might save someone a little bit of a fender bender and some embarrassment when they find out that they've actually got it wrong. Here we go. When you approach a roundabout, you must use your indicator if you intend to turn left or right or make a U-turn at the roundabout. You must give other road users sufficient notice of your intent to turn. Entering a roundabout. When entering a roundabout, you must slow or stop to give way to any vehicle already in the roundabout. You must also continue to use your indicators if you intend to turn left or right or make a U-turn. Turning left. When turning left, you must indicate left on approach and be travelling in the left-hand lane unless there are road markings with other instructions. Stay in the left lane and exit in the left lane. Turning right. When turning right, you must indicate right on approach and be travelling in the right-hand lane unless there are road markings with other instructions. Making a U-turn. When using a roundabout to make a U-turn, you must approach in the right lane and signal right. Changing lanes in a roundabout. Drivers may change lanes in a roundabout if they wish. The usual road rules for changing lanes apply. You must use your indicator and give way to any vehicle in the lane you are entering. Going straight ahead. You don't need to signal when approaching the roundabout if you are going straight ahead. You may approach the roundabout from either the left or right lane unless there are road markings with other instructions. Exiting a roundabout. As when you exit a road, you must signal left when leaving a roundabout, if it is practical to do so, and you should stop indicating as soon as you have exited the roundabout. However, when you are travelling straight ahead on a small single-lane roundabout, it may be impractical to indicate when exiting. Alright then, are we any better informed? The key message in there is that you have to give way to people that are already in the roundabout. You don't have to give way to the right necessarily. If you're coming into the roundabout, even though you may be on the right of someone and they're in the roundabout before you, they have right of way. This is the important thing that people don't understand. They'll sit there and they'll blow the horn at you and flip you the bird and all that sort of thing. If you're in the roundabout before them, they have to give way to you. That's the reality and that's the thing that people don't understand. The other thing is that you're supposed to slow down and get ready to give way to everyone, unlike some of these rocket pilots that want to just drive straight through. We'll bring you a few more of these traffic tips because I found a treasure trove of them and it's really quite incredible the things we think we know that we don't in fact have right. The other thing about it is he uses the word must all the time. It's not a choice, all right? When they use the word must, that is what the law says. You must do it. Let's get on with the show. Here on the road, it's time for the news. Righto, news time uh, here on the road. Yogi's actually driving around. Are you in the black truck, mate, or are you in the purple one? Uh, in the black one at the moment. I'm just uh, I'm driving into sight, but the sight's that rough. Yeah. It's 10Ks an hour, and I've got 10Ks to go. <laughs> You've been doing these little runs around flat out backwards and forwards. It's been pretty hard to try and catch up with you, so lucky we can even get a go here. 
Yeah, I'm just doing, doing a bit of water for a wind farm project, helping a mate out. And, um, yeah, so I'm sitting in the black one. So I hear a big whistle in the background. All you cat lovers out there will be going, oh, that sounds, sounds like, like a, a C-15 And it is. She's there, like, it's interesting jump between the, hmm. the Cummins and the cat. It, you, you sort of got to not race and change in the cat, and then in the Cummins you've got to feel like you're, you're pegging it back hard, putting ears here and there and everywhere. <laughs> it's totally different. Take it easy with the cat and drive the Cummins like you stole it. Yeah, well, that's sort of what I'm sort of working out. But I got out of this at <laughs> 8 o'clock last night and got in this one at 6 o'clock this morning. So, yeah, um, so I'm double trucking at the moment, double tagging, double tagging. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, are you well balanced? That's the question. <laughs> I'm always well balanced. I've been well balanced for years. You know, you know, if I'm well balanced, I've got a chip on both shoulders, but right. no. I'm well balanced in the truck, mate. So, talking yeah. about the truck, mate, I was talking to uh, old mate Simon earlier on, and we are talking about the balance rings. Now, having to know that you're supposed to have some balance rings on that black one, have you done it? No, I haven't got any on the black one yet, oh, but, but with the purple ones all balanced front oh, to oh, back, oh. has been for you. Unbelievable! All right, well you better well get it done. You better well get balanced. it done because I've got to tell someone that you've got it done. He'll be chasing after me. Be yeah, after. I know. Chasing after me too. Be coming after you with a baseball bat, I reckon. Right, I suppose we better just get on with it. A uh, couple of other things we want to talk about: the uh, truck shows that are coming up. Obviously, we've got uh, the Brisbane Truck Show coming up on the 18th to the 21st of May. Yeah. Yeah, it's in May, so get yourself sorted. If you haven't got accommodation, I'd be looking to get accommodation yeah. at this point in time. It's yeah. uh, been a few days at the Brisbane Truck Show. All roads lead to Brisbane Truck Show. Are you bringing a truck over or are you just going to fly over and bring yourself? Ooh, ooh. I'm actually, I've got a little bit of a choice here, but I'm going, I am bringing a truck over and I don't know which truck I'm bringing over with the truck. Oh, okay. I was confused here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, one can, no one can say you're not confused. Hey, oh, uh, that's right. we're going to be there and we're going to be broadcasting live and we're going to go around and all that sort of stuff. We're going to have some merch and a bit of other stuff there and uh, you'll be having your caps and shirts and all that sort of stuff, won't you? Oh, no, I don't know. I don't think we've got any of that stuff. That might be for Casino, but I'm there with uh, Next Journey, Simon, and the travel bags, yeah. so brand ambassador for Simon. So that's why I'm at the Brisbane Truck Show and roaming Western Australian reporter for On The Road Radio. Good on you. And Casino, mate, that's coming up. Uh, that's Saturday the 5th of August. Put that one in your diary. It's the 10th anniversary this year, I think, isn't it? Yeah, save the date, make it happen, get, it, get after it. Casino Truck Show, 10th anniversary. They've got a really good format or Casino Truck Show, and I hope that it all comes together. They're trying to get all the 10 winners there. Okay. Yeah, which would be very, very interesting. So save the date. Stay tuned. 5th of August, Casino Truck Show. We will be there in a, in a big role. So Kendall Trucking and Co. will be there. Uh, on the Road Radio will be there. On the Road Podcast will be there. More than 350 trucks, there's 40 categories that they're going to be there competing in for uh, the odd trophy. And uh, we're just heading up the Richmond Valley for the day and uh, check it out, I suppose. 
Yeah, Richmond Valley Council right behind this one. They have figured it out that this brings people into the town and people spend money at coffee shops. So, way to go, <laughs> Richmond Valley. Yep. And uh, so, good, good street show. Always, and I'll probably jinx it, and I don't want to say it, but it's always a perfect 24, 25, 26 degrees. Give, give, <laughs> give, yourself, give yourself an uppercut, mate. You never say stuff like that. I know, I know, oh. I know. But great weekend, plenty of stuff for the kids to do. They block the street off. Uh, really, last year, I emceed the event last year, and, and, and the winners, the trophy winners, it was honestly... 40 kids down the front getting yeah. trophies because yeah. their dads and their mums and, and their uncles and their aunties and all got win, well, winners at the truck show. So it was good to see. And I made comment on that, that that's the next generation right there. It is, it is. Right, I suppose we better talk about some some other news now. Yeah, Mate, yeah. Uh, what is going on with the news this week there, Mr. Mike? The Scots sell-off is happening there. Bloody trucks and trailers all over the place. Mate, have you driven past an auction yard recently? Oh, Scott sell-off. Yeah, I have, actually, funny enough. And there's not much in the West, but geez, in, the, in the Eastern States, uh, yeah, there's uh, standing room only from what I'm led to believe. Down the Ritchie Brothers, it's uh, wall-to-wall fridge pans, wall-to-wall white uh, prime movers. I suppose some of the prime movers would be all right, but there's a lot of fridge vans there. I mean, there would be that many of them there. I don't think that you'd be paying a hell of a lot for them. I mean, there's there's only a certain size in the market, isn't there? People are going to go and buy them, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they roll back A's and stuff like mm. that on fridge fan are quite versatile for, for any operator, really. I mean, you, yeah, you can always slide a rollback A into, into your fleet somewhere or some way, shape or form. But, yeah, it's a bit of a flood of the market with that sort of fridge fan stuff. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, see how the markets go and see what it does to the second-hand truck. Yeah, well, market. you couldn't give me a bloody fridge van, so I won't be bidding on any of them. Oh, I, I like the idea of fridge yeah. van work. I used to do it out of home, carting out of the yeah. meatworks, and we used to car wool, wool and chilled mm. meat up, and then uh, and then yeah, general dry and chilled stuff back. So you know you're working hard when you're unloading wool out the back of a fridge van. I tell you, you know you're working hard. <laughs> you know what you can do with that. Put a hook in it. Put a hook in it, mate. That's what you can do with that. <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough, mate. Seriously, I don't. Oh, I love to know. You drop the airbags on the back, and it just gives you something to do. I mean, we only have about a hundred or so in there, and it was always wasn't too bad, you know. That's where you just what? go backwards really quick and just slam the brakes on. That's what happens there. That's what will be happening there. Uh, at the time, I was in a Scania, and that oh, wasn't no. too bad, but I ended up in a footy boot, which was on six rod. So the mm. Scania with the airbags was always nice. You could raise them up, and then the six rod, well, that was no good. So we're working hard. She was hooking them all the way to the back, mate. Oh, all the way. No, no, nothing for that. Nothing for that. All right, other news. <laughs> Moving on. There's fears for a popular Queensland uh, truck stop, mate, in, a, in the town up at Grantham there, the place over the road. The council want to shut it all down because they reckon it'll cost too much to clean it up if there's ever another flood. Um, oh, yeah. You just couldn't make it up. I mean, guys pull up there, they use the facilities there, they go over the road and buy stuff. The lady in the shop reckons that about 500 trucks pull up a day there for a break. And, yeah, and uh, we, we, we long, we yearn, we, we chase, we want decent food. Yep. And and they go and shut down a decent food outlet. Yeah, Would well, you be any more dumber? It is dumb. Um, 
So there's a place there where the, the guys can pull up safely. There's a servo just up the road where they can pull up a little bit yeah. and trucks go past there all the time. It's going to affect a lot of people when this little rest area is pulled down. I understand that they've got their little soft bottoms underneath the swings and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But why do they have to pull out all the all, all the shelters and the chairs and the tables and all that as well? Why does all that? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, the council at Grantham reckon that they're going to take some submissions. I would encourage people listening to this. If you've got some skin in the game, put in a submission. Tell them to buddy uh, rack their queue because it's just not right. No. Yeah. Correct. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yep. Get after it. You want get after fight it. for your rights. Your rights. Fight for your rights. Fight, fight for your right to party. I think that was a song. Oh, no, I was going to say that, but we're not going to party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, oh, we're showing we should play that on the radio, the Beastie Boys. Fight the Beastie for your rights. Your right to party. What? Yeah. I'm I reckon I can dig that out of the uh, vault and we'll, we'll play that on the radio. I can dig that out of the vault, mate. It's there. I'm sure of it. It's a little bit, it's a little bit rap like. Mike? It is a little bit rap like. I don't mind a couple of the Beastie Boys ones, eh? Oh, here we go. Here we go. You want to be listening to my music a little bit too much, mate. I might have. I have. I have. It's in your playlist, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, mate. Now, this is the one that I wanted to get into a little bit. Right. More options to tow heavier caravans in Queensland. I mean, it's not as if people can manage what's available to them now. Do we want to give them some more options to make it worse? Yeah, more options to tow heavier vans. So mm. what about uh, more options to get a caravan licence if you're going to tow oh, more heavier vans? Geez. I said it. I said it. You didn't. <laughs> oh, mate. I mean, well, there's a difference between a camper trailer and a, and a single caravan, you know, sort of semi-off-road van. We get it. They're under that sort of whatever that tonnage but, yep. you know, if you're going to go for more weight, you should be looking for more experience. Well, I agree, mate. You won't get an argument out of me on that. The other part about this too, when you consider what's going on, some of these guys that are towing these things, they've never towed anything really big in their life. They've retired and they want to go for a look around Australia, more power to them, and then they go and buy themselves the big Sahara and the $100,000 caravan or something. Yeah. And they, they head off. And it's a little bit different from driving the 20 k's to and from work every day in the traffic. Correct. Even well, even we, I got a we got a, a nine meter caravan. It weighs about three three point one ton. And even it's even me, like I'm I'm, I'm a fairly seasoned operator. Even when I tow my van, it, it, it makes you sit up and pay attention. It's not to be treated lightly towing caravans. And and if they're going to allow more weight, well. Yeah, you want it. You want to have more experience on the road. I give you. Well, they worry about trucks going down the hills and you know burning their brakes out and everything. Some of the things I've seen caravans do, mate. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, I know, but I know. But but there's only one way around it. That's education. And as far as I'm concerned, people carry on about you know you really want us to have caravan licenses. Well, no, I don't. But I want you to have some mandatory education. Correct. You know, let's get. And if having a mandatory license is the way to do it, in other words, you've got to do this course and get issued a, a ticket to say that you know what you're doing, fine, because you only get one chance to make a mistake. And I'll tell you what, these things make a mess. Yeah. So, I'll, I mean, I'll give you a prime example. We In Western Australia, because we're accredited pilots, now we've, myself and my wife, Amanda, have been an accredited pilot for about 15 or 16 years now. And when we got the ticket, they said it was a lifelong ticket. Now. 
they've changed it recently and now you've got to have a refresher course. So every three, two to three years, I've got to do a refresher course on how to be a pilot. Yet I don't have to have a refresher course at all on how to drive a caravan or I don't have to have a refresher course on how to drive a truck. Yeah. So some kind of education is better than no education you know, around this area. We could have a long, long, long chat about education and driving trucks. All right, mate. I suppose I better let you do what you're doing. Take care of yourself. Safe trucking. See you later. Folks, it's Simon here from the Atlas Balance Company. Don't go thinking Atlas Balance Rings is just for you Lion Hall Express boys. This is for running around town, doing deliveries right through to stock from grain carriers, side tippers, low loaders, car carriers and logging rings. Check out atlasbalance.com.au and see the other operators you're passing on the open road. They're saving up to 50% of their tyre life. Remember, it's Atlas, it's balanced. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. When they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Let's bring back this week's music guest for one more song. Here's Blake O'Connor with Willin' and Ready.
On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On the Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Mm-hmm.